a non-Jew, correct? And so at that time, there was prejudice, there was racism going on, there was alienation, hatred between these two people groups amongst all kinds of different people groups, much like today as well. And so Paul says, he begins this by saying, therefore, in light of all that God has done for us, in light of all the riches that we've learned about so far, he says, remember. In, in the Greek, it's be remembering. Or don't forget that what? You were once Gentiles, once heathens, once pagans. That was once your ethnicity, your lineage, or you were once that in that category. And just by way of reminder, Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, which was predominantly what people group? Gentiles. Predominantly Gentiles. And so there was a few Jews that had given their lives to Jesus. But the point that Paul is going to make here is that that wall of separation between any people group has been brought down in Christ Jesus because of what he's done for us. And it's interesting that the circumcision called the Gentiles the uncircumcision. And kids, if you're wondering what circumcision is, ask your parents after service when you're driving home, okay? They will help you out. <laughs> but, but remember that the cutting away of the flesh was symbolic for the Jew of their relationship with God. It communicated that I'm not living after the flesh. My life is devoted to God. The problem is if your heart's not given to God, you're not devoted to God in a real relationship, that ritual means absolutely nothing. Much like baptism. If you get baptized and your heart's not given to Jesus, all you are is wet, man. (laughs) Okay? You got nothing genuine going on this way, vertically with the Lord. There's no relationship going on. And so notice both Gentiles in the flesh and circumcision made by flesh in the hands. And so on one side, you've got the Jews, right? thinking that they could keep the law but they, by their outward um, actions. They, they, were, they thought they were right with God because of their lineage. We're, we're descendants of Abraham. We're good with God, right? I'm okay. I, was, I was raised in the church. I'm okay with God. No, no, no. Each one of us needs to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Each one of us is responsible for that. But the Jews, the religious Jews, thought, I'm okay with God because I'm, born, I'm part of Abraham, Abraham's lineage, I'm keeping the law. I'm, I'm obeying all these outward rules and regulations. And the problem was, what, what, what happened to them is they became isolationists looking down their nose at Gentiles. God had blessed the Jews with so much, with the word of God, with the fathers, with the covenants, all those amazing blessings. Why? That they might be a light to the Gentile world, that they would come to know the true and the living God. God had blessed them abundantly, and set apart God's people for his specific purposes to reach a lost world. Just like you and I, Christian, we are set apart now. Why? That God might use our lives as salt and light to communicate these amazing themes through our lives. We're his workmanship that people might come to know, to, to love and know the true and living God, guys. This is crucial to understand. We must not become isolationist, isolationists. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce it right one of these times, and start looking down our nose at people. Listen, we are saved by grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. 
It's simply because of God's kindness, his favor, and we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so on one end, you've got the Jews looking down their nose at the Gentiles, and the Gentiles with anti-Semitism in their hearts. Right? I mean, we see it today, don't we? That has, listen, that has no place in the church this morning, anti-Semitism. If, if you are buying into that BDS, is that what it is, BDS, something like that, boycott Israel products, you need, brother or sister, you need to repent. I love you, but your heart's wrong. Why? Because God said to Abraham, those that bless the Jews will be blessed, those that curse them will be cursed. And not only that, in, Ro- in the book of Romans, Paul reminds us we should be grateful for the Jewish people because the Messiah came through the Jewish people and our lives as Christians, because of how God has blessed us, our lives as Christians should be a witness to the Jewish people and they should be hungering and thirsting for what we got. It's called jealousy evangelism. They should be jealous of what we got going with the true and the living God. And it should cause them to say, wow, what are you tapped into? I want some of that. And we get to point them to Jesus. That's what salt does. Salt creates a thirst, doesn't it? We're, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. You and you alone are the light of the world. Not anyone else. You, brother, sister, me, us. And so we don't become isolationists. isolationists I'm going to say it right again. And stick our light under a bushel but to shine brightly for the Lord. And you know what? We need to be careful. Any enmity, hatred, alienation, prejudice, racism is a reflection of being alienated from God. Because all the walls have come down in Christ. How can we, how can, what are we to be known by? by, As Christians, by our, by our love. How can we be his expression, his poema, if the first expression of our lives is not love, but hatred or, or racism. Right? Jesus said, all will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. The way that we love, gang, super crucial. And by pride comes nothing but strife. It's a pride issue. So Paul's reminding us, reminding the listeners here at Ephesus where they came from. And so look what he says. At that time, previously, you were without Christ. You did, you did not have the Savior. You did not. You were living utterly apart from Jesus. I don't know about you, but do you guys remember what, what it was, life was like apart from Jesus? Brutal. I don't know how people live without Jesus right now. Him, his shepherding care in our lives, his cherishing, his nourishing, the way he fills us in our emptiness and meets us in our loneliness. He's right there with us. I mean, it's glory. Isn't it great having a Savior? The Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So Paul reminds him, you were without Christ. You were separated or aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no opportunity of being part of what God was doing with that community. In fact, in Romans 9, there's a list of all those blessings that God had given to Israel. Again, which should have translated into them having a heart to reach the world. But Paul reminds the listeners this morning that you were cut off from all of that. You were strangers having no share in God's promises. Aren't you grateful for God's promises, by the way? 
Now, now that you're saved, you understand the word of God and you start to read the promises that he has for us. Before we had Jesus, we had no promises. No promises attached to your life, except you're doomed. That's it. But now we have all, all of his promises are maybe and could happen. What are they? What is that? How's it, what's the verse? Yes and amen. amen. Isn't that great? No hope. I mean, this is a bleak picture. Without Jesus, apart from him, no hope, no, no expectation of good, no assurance, nothing to look forward to. Except the weekend, right? I can't wait. I, here's my future. Friday night, baby. Saturday night. Right? And then you worship Hurl, the porcelain god. Because <laughs> the, next, the next verse says no, uh, no God, without God in the world. The Ephesians had gods, didn't they? Diana, right? Diana was their big goddess they worshipped. But you had your choice. You know, take your pick what you wanted to worship. Bacchus, the god of wine or drinking, boozing. Where does that leave you in your life? Empty. Zeus, Apollo. Oh, the god of power. Yeah, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder to the top. You get to the corporate ladder, and then what? You're still hungry. You're still thirsting. For more, I got to have more. Got to satisfy my flesh. The flesh can't be satisfied. It's only Jesus Christ that can satisfy you. No hope. Now we have a hope. Don't we have a future and a hope, gang? Our, our future is when we step through the veil into eternity. That's when, our fu- that's when my future starts. I don't know about you. That's when my dreams and plans come to fruition. No more pain, no more suffering with those loved ones that went on before me and before you. Those loved ones from our church. I mean, it's, we had like seven or eight memorial services in the last couple months on Saturday mornings here. We got, man, we got so many people in heaven right now <laughs> that are going to meet us there. Bleak picture, sad condition of the world today. I think that something important, though, as we move forward is remembering our past keeps us from getting on high horses and looking down at people. This is where we came from. This is where it was. But now, look at the next verse. Isn't that good news? But now, it's like verse four, but God, but now. Everything's changed. Is that good news? Everything's changed. That's what you were. All of that has changed since you are now in Christ. Since you gave your heart to Jesus, now you belong to Jesus. Everything's changed. You were once, you were once way out there, man. You were far off. But now look what Jesus does. He brings us near. Literally in the Greek, this is so cool. It means to be in hand. Isn't that cool imagery? You've been brought in hand. How? What does it say? How? By the, by the blood of of Christ because Jesus willingly gave his life. He shed his precious divine blood for you and for me on the cross. He was alienated so that we would never have to be alienated from God. When he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dad, where are you? When all of our sins and transgressions were piled upon Jesus, there was a disconnection in the Godhead that had never happened before and never will happen ever again. As he absorbed all the punishment and wrath that we deserve for our sins, he was alienated so that we wouldn't have to be alienated from God, that we could always say, God is with me. He promised to never leave me nor forsake me. No matter how I'm feeling, my outward, my outward, uh, outward stuff going on or inward emotions, I know Jesus promised to be with me no matter what. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. For you are with me, Lord. He's with me. And so, this is so good. So his blood washes us from our sins. You know, a lot of churches don't talk about the blood of Jesus anymore. Isn't that sad? It's not PC. It's not uh, user-friendly. We're going to use the words that the Bible says, by the way. His blood not only washes us of our sins, but his blood brings us near to God. You don't bring yourself near to God, by the way. You don't clean up your act. You don't do, it's not your efforts, it's not your works. It is the blood of Jesus that brings us near to God, in hand, literally in hand. Didn't Jesus say something about being in his hand? Did Jesus say something about being in his hand? Anybody? Bueller, Bueller. Anybody? John 10. So, so awesome. This whole good shepherd imagery. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. But wait, there's more. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So whose hand are we in? The son, the father, whose hand are we in? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> That's a good place to be, isn't it? That's some security right there. In ha- Listen, in hand means you have the Christ. You have Jesus Christ. You are connected to God and connected also. We're going to learn about in just a minute. We're connected to one another also as believers. Not only that, God's promise in hand means you have all those promises attached to your life. And by the way, God's promises will always have the final say in your life. Even when it doesn't seem like it, his promises will have the final say in your life. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus brings us near to God. Verse 14. Let's read verse 14 to 18. Next little uh, manageable slice here. For he himself, who's that? Jesus is our, what's your Bible say? Peace, who has made both one. Who's the both? Jew and Gentile. What's a Gentile again? Non-Jew. So Jesus himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. How did he do this? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God. Who's both? Jew and Gentile, Gentile and Jew, in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came, who's he? Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off, And to those who were near, for through him we both, who's both? Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit to the Father. This is so beautiful. For he himself is our peace. Please notice it's he himself. It's not Jesus plus plus religion, plus our efforts. It's not Jesus plus our good works. It's not Jesus plus a guru that we have peace. It's not Jesus plus a psychiatrist or a psychologist and a pill we have peace. Correct? 
It's not Jesus plus a movement. It's not Jesus plus a political group. We have peace. It's not Jesus plus a church. It's not Jesus plus a denomination. It's not Jesus plus a list of rules is our peace. It's not Jesus plus a philosopher is our peace. Jesus is our peace. This is so crucial. He himself, him alone. And number one, we need to have peace with God, correct? Why? Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Whether we realize it or not, before we gave our hearts to Jesus, we were enemies of God. Going our own way, choosing to go our own way. To try to, some of us tried to follow rules and keep rules. Some of us were very religious. Some of us were not anywhere near religious, but so jacked up. But then once you surrender to Jesus, right, you now are what? Now you have peace with God. But what comes with the peace of God also, peace with one another also. We get to experience peace with one another. Look what it says. So the war is over that existed between us and God. And then we have peace with one another. Jesus himself is our peace who made both one, Jew and Gentile, one family, one flock. How did he do this? He broke down. He wiped out the wall of separation, the barrier that separated these two people groups. This is so cool because there's like this uh, Jewish imagery here of the temple. You guys remember the temple? You guys remember the temple? We talked about it. Temp- did the temple have any walls? Did the temple have lots of walls? It did. Lots of barriers. So one wall kept out the Gentiles. Those People from the world who wanted to go to church, there was a barrier. They, they couldn't pass that wall. We're going to talk about this tonight. If you're coming to service tonight, 5 o'clock, John chapter 12. There were Greeks that were coming to worship, to see Jesus, to also worship. But there's a wall. You couldn't get past that wall. And ladies, there was another wall. The court of the women, another barrier. So the women couldn't go very far. And then the dudes could only go certain Length, there was another barrier, another wall. Why? Because only, the Le- only those with Levi's jeans. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. Those with Levi's jeans could go a little further. But then only one dude had a backstage pass, right? Once a year, he could go into the Holy of Holies. More walls, right? And then what happened when Jesus rose from the dead or when he died on the cross? It is finished. Veil torn into open house. Anyone can come. Through Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is glorious good news. Jesus said, listen to this. Back in that John chapter 10 passage, Jesus said, he's the good shepherd. And he said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Who's he talking about? Thank you guys are still with me. Awesome. Gentiles. Other sheep that are not of this fold, Jesus said, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Did you guys catch that? It's one flock. 
All those that are trusting in Jesus Christ, whatever background you are, the middle wall is gone. The racial, ethnic, religious barrier that had existed has been brought down in Christ. Colossians 3, check this out. Paul wrote, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Isn't that beautiful? What is God asking us today? Think about this as we read this. God is asking us in in these verses right here to recognize that Jesus made us one. There shouldn't be walls. There shouldn't be barriers. I'm a part of God's family. You're a part of God's family by his grace only because of Jesus Christ. And there's equal, equal ground at the foot of the cross. It's equal ground. We all need Jesus. We all need his grace. Peace with God connects us to one another. All of us as recipients of God's grace. Grace tears down walls between us, guys. Men build walls. Jesus brings walls down. All things that divide us are brought down in Christ. No barriers in him. We have something gloriously in common as believers. And how how is this conflict dealt with? Look at verse 15. Jesus did what? Having abolished... That means to make completely inoperative, to put out of use. What did he do? He put out of use, he totally did away with by the sacrifice he made in his flesh, by laying down his life. Enmity means hatred, hostility, or opposition. He got rid of the opposition. He took it down, he knocked it down, he rendered it inoperative. And then notice notice this. The, uh, the hostility the, was connected or linked to the rules, the laws of the commandments in ordinances contained in the law. What does that even mean? Well, remember, the Jews were saying what? We keep the law. We're, we're good law-abiding citizens. We keep the law. You don't. And what did the attitude breed? Hostility, resentment toward the Gentiles. And the Gentiles looked at the law and said, that's dumb. I can't believe that God would make you do that, make you keep rules and so forth. And the attitude bred hatred and contempt. We're better than you. No, you're not. We're better than you and so forth. Walls were built up. What was the purpose of the law? Listen, the purpose of the law was to shut our mouths. That we would all recognize we're guilty before God. Again, that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God confining us all under sin. We're all lawbreakers, aren't we? Are we all lawbreakers this morning? That's still not even like 100% of the room. Two words, 55. You know those white, some of you get, white sign, number five, number five. You guys ever seen that sign? I never seen it. I went blowing past that thing. Pastor? I thought those were speed suggestions, boy. <laughs> We're lawbreakers. We need, the, the law points us to Jesus, that we need a Savior, that we need forgiveness. And only one person of all time kept the law fully and completely. Jesus Christ, the pure, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only Jesus. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Guys, the law was never intended to make us right before God. 
The law shows us we are in need of the Savior. Rules don't fix us. Rules don't save us or change us. Again, the law shows us our need. And, he, and so what does this even mean? We read that he abolished, he abolished the demands of commands on over our lives so that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are we forgiven, but also he gives the, he gives the very righteousness of Jesus Christ to us, to our account. Isn't that good news? Isaiah says he rejoiced in that robe of righteousness. Does that make you guys stoked? Does that make you guys happy? Like, the, the Gentile robe is not better than the Jew robe. My robe's not better than your robe. Like, mine's, I got designer threads here, designer robe. Yours is like dollar store type stuff. We all, it's all the same righteousness, the right, very righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us. We can't keep the law. He kept it perfectly, and his righteousness is given to us. Are you with me? is crucial. And to create in himself, in other words, Jesus made something out of nothing, something that wasn't there before, one new man, new in quality, it never existed before, one, one new man from the two, making peace. That word peace means to be made whole, to put back together. This is so awesome to consider what he's saying here. Jesus makes peace. Men make war and strife. Jesus makes peace. Are you a believer this morning? A follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a believer, correct? Okay, good. So when someone asks you, are you a believer? What are you going to say? Yes. Not I'm a Calvary Chapelite. I'm a... Because sometimes you ask people, don't you? Hey, are you a Christian? You a believer? I'm a Baptist. I didn't ask what flavor you are. <laughs> Are you guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's happened, it's happened to you. And I get what you're saying, but are you a believer? Are you born again? Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm a Lutheran. Are you a believer? Because that's the bottom line. There shouldn't be walls. There shouldn't be barriers. And I understand there's flavors for everyone. That's okay. Some people like a little more liturgy or whatever. Some people like a little more loose, right? Swinging jumping around. We kind of swing right into the middle. I love it where we're at. Thank you, Lord. But there's, listen, God's body's diverse, right? We are a family. And in a family, sometimes you have some weird uncles, weird kind of, right? I'm, I'm a little too far. Let's get back to the word here. He, Jesus fused two groups of people together and made them one. I love what it says in Galatians 3. We saw this last time when we studied Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16. We've been reconciled. It means to restore to a right relationship. So Jesus also reconciles. That's his heart, gang, this morning. Do you know that he's into reconciliation? You guys know that this morning? He restored who? Both Jew and Gentile to God in one body. There's another example of the church. One body, a living organism. How did he do it? Jesus laying down his life, suffering in our place on the cross, putting to death. Jesus' sacrifice destroyed the enmity. He destroyed by his laying down of his life, got rid of all the hatred, all the animosity, all the alienation, 
all the reasons for opposition. Listen, enmity vertically is gone and enmity horizontally should be gone too. Listen, if we're right vertically, things will be right horizontally. Do you know that this morning? This is like crucial. As parts of this new body, one body, all bitterness and anger has been wiped out by Jesus. I would even go as far as to say that Jesus is the solution for every single problem in life. The problems you're having in your marriage this morning. Do you know that Jesus is the solution? Again, where do wars and fights come from? The Bible tells us selfishness in our members. By pride comes nothing but strife. At the heart of your conflict with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your coworker, with whoever it is, there is an issue of pride and selfishness at the bottom of it. So how do I deal with that? You know what? I, just like Jesus did, I lay down, I go to the cross. Death to the self, death to the flesh. Because listen, if... If, if I'm living life after the flesh, then Jesus is back on the cross. He's been dethroned. I'm, I'm on the throne of my heart. I'm leading. Me, it's all about me, myself, and I. But when I'm on the cross, Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And this is the solution to get rid of hatred, alienation, enmity, anger, fighting, opposition. It's I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to surrender. Listen, all alienation between human beings is a reflection of alienation from God. That's, I know it's a tough pill for maybe some people, but that's the truth. Jesus wants enmity to be put to death. Animosity, alienation, racism, prejudice, hatred. If that's alive in you this morning, can I encourage you to put it to death? Don't go another, don't go another step further without putting it to death this morning. Follow the Lord's example. Follow his footsteps. If we're a follower of Jesus, he went to the cross. Die to that stuff. Let it die. Kill it. No laying down of life, no peace. No walls come down. The walls will still be there until we surrender. So peace with God, peace with one another. Jesus came. I love this. So Jesus is our peace. He makes peace. And now he preached peace. Verse 17. And he came. And what did Jesus do? He preached peace to you who are far off, to the Gentiles, and to those who were near. Isn't that interesting? Jesus announced, preached peace to both Gentiles and the Jews because both are disconnected from God. It doesn't matter how close they were, they're still not connected to God because they don't have Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You can be a churchgoer, right? You can go to church. Man, you're close. Man, there's people that come to church here that don't know Jesus personally. You're close. Oh, you've been coming. Mom and dad, they're dragging you to church. Got a drug problem. I got drugged to church. It's, <laughs> listen. You're close. You're close, and the Lord is right here this morning in our midst, reaching out to rescue you and saying, look at, look at what I did for you. This is how much I love you, my spread hands, my spread arms to embrace you and bring you into the kingdom. And you're so close. But, you're, but it's pride and sin. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And they're unwilling to come to the light that their deeds would be exposed because you've got some darkness happening in your life. 
And you're close, you're so close, you're right here. Just like the Jews, Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. The very people that should have received him, they had every blessing. And they should have said, yes, we we trust you. We believe, we will surrender to you. No, no king but Caesar. Really? Really? The The dude that bludgeoned you into submission? And so Jesus came and he preached peace. What was the first word? What was the first word of Jesus' public ministry? You guys remember what the word was? Starts with R, rhymes with repent. <laughs> repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread of life. Come to me. You'll never die. You'll have everlasting life. Come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I'll satisfy you. Come to me. That offers for anyone. Peace with God is through Jesus Christ. And guess what, brother, sister? We take Jesus wherever we go. We take him wherever we go. We've been given the same message, the message of peace. You can have peace with God, but it's only through Jesus Christ. Him and him alone. Forgiveness is offered to anyone. It is free. That's why we do outreach. That's why we do missions. Why? Because Jesus wants to reach those that are near and those that are far. We're following his example to preach here at home, to preach overseas, to help. If we can't go, we're going to help people to do it all over the world because we, we have his heart, his priorities, his concerns, his will be done, not my will be done. Your kingdom come. That means my kingdom goes, your will be done. My will goes, we want your will, your kingdom, your work, Lord. Well, look at verse 18. Isn't this great? Through him, who's him? Jesus, because of Jesus, we both, Jew, Gentile, whatever your background, we we have access. You guys like access? Anybody ever been denied access somewhere? It's a major bummer, isn't it? Nope, can't get in here. Sorry. You're a loser. Creep. (laughs) Or whatever, you know. (laughs) This is awesome. We have access. It's the Holy Spirit also who makes this possible. Because the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, baptizes us into the body of Christ. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And he ushers us into the presence of the Father. We come boldly before the throne of grace. Isn't that glorious? We abide under the shadow of the Almighty now, as David wrote. Isn't that awesome to consider that? That whole picture? Some of you guys know... When my kids come up to me, when I'm talking to someone, I'll stop talking to that person and I'll talk to my kids. And people get ticked off about that. Please don't get ticked off. Because I want my kids always to know they have access to me 24-7, wherever, whenever, and no one else gets in the way of that. Because I want to be a reflection of my Heavenly Father. The kids know, they knock on the door, I'm counseling someone, they peek their head in, oh, okay, Dad. But... For the most part, sometimes we get mad at our kids for that. Don't interrupt me while I'm talking here. I don't want my kids ever to have that. We have full access to our Father. Isn't that glorious? Is that good news to you guys? It's like beautiful. Everyone gets in the same way. By grace, through faith, the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no second-class citizens. There's no hierarchy. Do you know that this morning? There's no hierarchy. There's no second-class citizens. Do you guys know that this morning? Not, there's not one person closer than everyone else. Do you guys know that this morning? 
Do you? Like, this is, some people don't. There's, <laughs> there, I love you guys. There's some people that won't come up front for prayer after church. You know where they'll go? They'll go right to me to get prayer, thinking that I have some kind of special, like, connection or line to the Lord. Listen, I don't. I'm, I'm jacked up just like you are. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this all out myself. But I will pray for you. I, will pray for, I pray for you guys every day. And I'll pray for you continually. I won't stop. But there's not one person closer or higher. We're all in the same place. This, guys, this is a big deal, by the way. <laughs> this is a big deal. Why is it such a big deal? People wanted to kill the Apostle Paul for this message. You guys remember? Acts 22, Paul gets off his missionary journey. He comes to Jerusalem, and he gets to share his testimony there with all his countrymen. Here's his big break, right? The people he loves, he would forfeit his salvation for these people. And here's the open door for Paul. Oh, I get that. this is awesome. And Paul's just sharing his testimony. He's letting it rip. And then all of a sudden, he gets to, you guys remember, the G word, Gentiles. And they, the Jews, freaked out. Kill them. Do away with this man. He's unfit to be, to live. And they start, they start popping him, right? He starts getting thumped. He gets out of there. Romans save him. But Paul was willing to lay down his life for this message. Listen, God is equal opportunity. Anyone putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is a co-heir with Christ. doesn't matter what your background is. Level ground at the foot of the cross. Paul was dug in, immovable concerning the truth of the gospel. And by the way, can I encourage you to be immovable, dug in? Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be milk toast. you know, uh, spineless on this. Why am I saying this? Because we're exhorted in the book of Jude, to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Listen, what we have in our hands, the Bible, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, many people over the centuries have given their lives that we might have this and be blessed with the word of God. Not caving in, but being sturdy, being sturdy ministers and messengers of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage us this morning in that? The, the beautiful thing is we're blessed today standing as one before God through Jesus Christ to offer up praises to him as his temple, as his family, as his household. We still got time. We got four verses. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Because we got, what, an hour? Sweet. <laughs> now, therefore, in light of all that's been communicated, you are no longer strangers. You're no longer unknown to God. You're no longer foreigners. You no longer not know where you belong. But what are we? Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the what? The chief cornerstone in whom, speaking of Jesus, the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together. Why? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Is that beautiful to you guys? Isn't that awesome? Hey, you're no longer an alien. 
a stranger. You're a citizen. Our citizenship is in heaven, gang. That's our first citizenship, by the way. I love my passport. I love traveling around the world and being able to, you know, I got the special pass too. I can go cruise right in. I love being a citizen of the United States. But first and foremost, before any citizenship, I'm a citizen of heaven because of Jesus Christ. And not only that, look what it says, with the saints, with other believers, with all those who belong to God's house, Jesus made us part of a family, you guys. This is so cool. This is where you belong. The greatest thing ever, the church, the body of Christ. You have a home. We're connected to one another. Why? Because of our birth. We are born into his family. John chapter 1. When we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and John, after six decades, 60 years of walking with Jesus, he wrote in 1 John 3, this is somewhere between 80 and 90 AD, John wrote, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Listen, that never got old for John. It was always fresh. He always, do you still appreciate that, by the way? He always appreciated that. Notice what else it says. Having been built, God's house is built. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And underneath is a foundation, right? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. I believe that speaks of the Old Testament and New Testament, the prophets and apostles. It speaks concerning uh, the word of God, you guys. Part of our foundation is the word of God that is inerrant, that is perfect, infallible, that is glorious. Psalm 138, verse 2, God um, esteems his word higher than his own name. It's heavy. Part of our foundation is the word of God. And then also, who's the chief cornerstone? Chief cornerstone. It would be the first stone that would be laid, perfect stone. And all the other stones would be measured off of that one that is perfect, perfectly square, perfectly aligned. So all all the other stones get their orientation from the chief cornerstone. You know what that means? Everything in my life and in your life should be measured off of him. Are you with me on that? We don't measure ourselves with one another. Paul said that's foolish. Because can't we find someone more jacked up than us? Correct? We measure ourselves off of Jesus. How we treat our spouse, how we treat our kids, how we treat our parents, how we treat one another. And we measure ourselves off of Jesus. And, And so often we realize, I do fall short. And Lord, how much I need you. God, I need your help to love my wife the way you've called me to. Lord, I need your help to to be an example to the flock that you've entrusted to my care in this home that you've given to me. I want to be a good steward, Lord. I need your help. Didn't we just just sing that? I need you, Lord, every hour. Did we sing something like that this morning? Do you guys realize that? I need you, Lord. Every hour I need you. We look at Jesus and we measure off of him. Our orient- we take our orientation off of him and recognize how much we need him. And he's there for us and he's building us. Our lives have a foundation. Look at verse 21 and 22 as we finish. In Jesus, the entire edifice, the entire building, interconnected. Inter- it means 
Fitted together means to fit, join, and selected. Found, the idea is found and assembled. You know, that means God has a perfect place for each one of us. He picked us. He brought us together. He's shaping us, molding us as we fit in the place that he has for us. Peter put it this way. He said, we are living stones. You guys remember that? Living stones. Who's the stone? Who's the rock you're sitting next to this morning? Pastor, I, you know what? I'm between these two blockheads. And that one over there really, really irks me. I'm going to take my stone and move to another part of the temple. Can I uh, encourage you? Do you think it's a coincidence or accident? The person that God has you next to in the building? No way. The next part of that verse says we're growing. The people that God brings into our lives, to our lives, no lives, are to help us to, guess what? To grow. Because <gasps> the people you love and, oh, they're so sweet and wonderful, uh, you can grow next to them, but isn't it, don't you find you grow when you're next to people that seem to be a little rougher around the edges? Maybe hard to put up with. Listen, we're not, no, no amens. We are natural irritants. And so the Lord brings you next to this stone, and you're right, and He's shaping us, He's chipping away so that we would fit together. Are you with me? You start praying, listen, start praying for that person. You know what's going to happen? You'll have God's heart for them, you'll begin to see them as God sees them. That God fit that person next to you in the, in the building, in his holy temple. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. Because he loves you. And we're developed. We grow. We mature that way. We grow in grace and the knowledge of him. And this beautiful temple, it begins to grow. And in Jesus, you are being built together, incorporated. We're in progress. Are we finished yet? Are, we, are you guys finished yet? We finished? But we're designed to fit together. Are you, are you seeing this? We're designed to be fit together. There's intimacy begins to grow. The building has been going on for, what, 2,000 years? It's being built. Each of us has a place in the building. And notice what it says at the end of that verse. A dwelling place of God. That means it's special in the spirit. We are all part of this building in which God lives by his spirit. That's, a, that's like a mind blower, isn't it? So not only individually, everywhere we go, God goes with us, but every time we gather together, God is here in a special way. Do you realize that? It's different watching online, isn't it? than gathering, isn't it? I mean, probably offended some people online. Love you. Um, But it's different. Listen, every time I'm out of town, I watch the services online. It's different. But when we're gathered together with the power of the Lord here, 
Jesus is here with the power to heal, to work in a special way. It's awesome. Listen, God has a place for you. You fit. You know what that means? You fit. How cool is that? You fit. I fit. We fit. I don't feel like I fit, Pastor. You ever felt that way? I don't feel like I fit. You know what makes you fit? Jesus makes you fit. It's not your education. It's not your financial status. It's not what kind of wheels you roll in on. We fit together because of Jesus Christ. We fit in. And sometimes we don't feel like we fit. You know why? Because we're so focused on ourselves and not on God. That's the problem. I mean, what if we came to church and said, who can I find to love on today? To serve today? To reach out today? Because we're being built a great house. God puts us together in something that will last forever. And here's the deal as we close. We are his workmanship, right? His work of art, his poema, to express the, the things that, the, the themes that he wants to express through our lives. But the temple, this is so good, the temple is where people can come and meet with God and come in contact with God to experience his love, his forgiveness, his power, his truth, his grace. This is a place where people should be able to come to experience his power, his presence. It's a building that demonstrates who he is. Not a physical building, it's us. He dwells in us by his spirit. He enables us to fit. He gives us giftings and callings to be successful in what he's called us to do. He wants us to be a part of his body. God is at work here. And when we gather together, listen, God is dwelling uniquely and powerfully among us. That's reason to celebrate, isn't it? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. Thank you for where you have us in this amazing, Lord, uh, passage. And all of the incredible blessings that you, Jesus, have made possible for us to have, to partake, to celebrate, to, wow, just to be in awe of. And God, I pray that that would translate into uh, us walking, Lord, in those good works, being men and women under your influence, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would shine.